Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Vision Church. As I was sitting here worshiping, I just really felt like the Lord was, was speaking something to my heart. and He said, honor the generational vision that is present in the house today. Honor the generational vision. And, and we, have, we have grandparents, we have parents in, in, the, in the room this morning. And, and one of the most powerful and profound visions that we can cultivate in our life is actually passed down from the generations in front of us. And, um, and so, and I, as I was also worshiping, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, um, would you take a moment and honor Miss Johnson? Um, she's a woman of prayer. She's a woman at, we were sitting down having dinner last night, and um, I could just tell she had the presence of the Lord on her. And so, would you do something for us, Miss Johnson? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't even tell her I was going to do this. Would you come up here and would you just declare the vision that you see for Vision Church? Would you do that for me? I know I'm putting you on the spot big time. I'm sorry. But would you just pray for Vision Church and for the future of this ministry and what you see? And, and, and you get to see a behind-the-scenes behind the view of, of, of what goes into the making of this church every single week. And um, would you just pray and declare that over, over God's people this morning? Thank you, Father. You're so good. You care so much for the people in Northwest Arkansas. And that's why Vision Church is here. We thank you, Father God, that this is a church that will take love all four directions in Jesus' name. Your love, Father. Not just, uh, I love you, in a, um, a funny sort of way, but a genuine love that draws people to you. Father, I thank you that Vision Church will express your love in so many different ways uh, because we're all so uniquely, differently created. And I thank you that uh, those are the directions that your love is going in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for this guest speaker. I thank you that he has a heart that is for you, sold out to you, that his wife is sold out to you. Their little boy is sold out to you because he's in this family unit (laughs) in Jesus' name. I thank you that you've called them, you've ordained them, and they're a part of what Vision Church is going to be. We go, we first reveal and show your love here to each one. Genuine love, genuine caring, genuine help when each of us need it. I've experienced it, and I'm believing that we all are here. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that as we go forth, we will take um, the word that will give glory and honor to you. Yes, Lord. 
and you will be glorified in everything that's done. And it will be partially because of this young speaker in Jesus' name. Bless him, Father, as he ministers. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, um, man, I stand on the shoulders of the prayers of my grandparents and the prayers of my parents. Gosh, I could get emotional just sitting up here telling you about it. But many of you are grandparents in this room. Many of you are parents and, and sons and daughters. We're recipients of the prayers of our grandparents and our parents and our great-grandparents. And, and if there's one thing that, that I want to impart in just this moment is, is, man, the prayer and the vision that you cast based upon what the Lord has given you in your personal times of prayer, it matters. It has the ability to transform an entire generation. And even if you feel like you've, quote, failed in raising and cultivating the spiritual life of the next generation, it's not too late. The prayers that you pray continue to shape the destinies and the future vision of your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And I believe that's going to be an assignment of Vision Church. Is It's not just cultivating the vision for your personal life. It's not just about cultivating the vision for your finances and for your marriage. But it's going to be a ripple effect that will touch generations to come. Hmm. And so I just want to honor the generations. This is going to be a multi-generational church. This is going to be a church that, that touches two, three, four generations. And it's going to be, there's going to be two or three or four generations represented uh, among God's people. And that's beautiful. You know, there's, there's many churches, um, and, and God has specific assignments for different churches, but many churches cater to one generation or the next. But I really have a strong feeling this morning that, that God is going to raise up not only fathers, but grandfathers, and not only mothers, but grandmothers in the faith that are going to be able to, 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 to steward the spiritual life of the next generation. And so thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the investment that you make, because it matters. Can we just pray over this word? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who dreams in generations. God, sometimes things that you speak don't come to pass for tens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. But we are now sitting in this room because of, 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 of the generations past that have chosen to carry on that prophetic vision that was released so many years ago. And we say thank you. We, we recognize that, that, that we stand on the shoulders of so many who have gone before us. And we honor that. We thank you for that, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask this morning is that as we dive into your word together, and as we begin to, 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 to search the scriptures, that, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would be the teacher. That you would do what only you can do, and that is to illuminate the truth of your word, to, 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 con- to convict us, to encourage us, to correct us. Whatever you want to do this morning, God, would you do that in and among your people? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. 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 Beautiful. Thank you for having me this morning. I want to jump straight into Scripture. We're going to be in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, and then 16 through 21 this morning. And we're going to be talking about the story of Abraham. And I'm going to use the story of Abraham to illustrate a little bit of the journey that my wife and I have been on. By the way, my wife is here. She's so beautiful. Afsana. We've been married for six years in October. Love you, babe. Um, she's on this crazy journey with me, and, and she doesn't have a choice. She's got to come with me. So thank you for enduring my craziness. 
Romans chapter 4, uh, I'm going to be using the story of Abraham to illustrate a little bit of our journey, and hopefully you can see yourself in the middle of, of, of Abraham's story as well and be able to take something and, and, and take home uh, from this place, okay? Romans chapter 4 says this, Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants, both physical and spiritual, was based not upon his obedience to God's law, thank goodness, because we're really bad at keeping the law, but on a right relationship with God that actually comes by faith. So the promise that the Lord speaks to us, both corporately as as His people, but individually, the unique assignment that He's placed on your life, the promise is received by faith. And here's how I'm defining faith this morning. It's the conviction that what has been spoken is actually greater than the current circumstance that you find yourself in. You see, this is a free gift. And we're all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. And that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. Now you notice how whenever God speaks, he speaks in past tense as if it's, always, as if it's already happened. That's significant. Hold that in your back pocket. Out. We're going to pull that out. We're going to talk about that. Whenever God speaks something to us, he speaks as if it's already in existence, even though it's yet to come in the natural. He speaks in the supernatural as if it's already happened and in the natural it's released over time. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. And don't miss this. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. This morning, I've entitled the message, Stewarding a God Promise. Stewarding a God Promise. Like Pastor Phil uh, just said, my wife and I were, were college and young adults pastors at Christian Life Cathedral in Fayetteville, Arkansas for the past four years. And just uh, January 1st, we stepped away from our positions and we've been doing six months of itinerant ministry and fundraising because God's laid it on our heart to go to South Africa. But this journey didn't just begin six months ago, it actually began seven years ago. And you see, in 2012, n- nearly seven years ago, I wasn't following Jesus. But I was actually asking Jesus to follow me. You see, many times I think in, in our Christian walk, if we're not careful, we can, we, can, we can treat Jesus as if he's just there to bless whatever idea that we create. And you see, in 2012, I had this grand plan to become an eye doctor, to make lots of money, to give some to the kingdom, you know, sacrifice a little bit so that, you know, I can appease Jesus. And then be able to live the lifestyle that I wanted to live. I'm just speaking honestly. I don't know if that lands anywhere uh, for you guys, but I'm just speaking honestly for myself. And it was in a moment. It was in a moment of prayer in 2012. It was the summer of 2012 that the Lord spoke something to me in a time of prayer. It was just a moment. It was in a, it was in a moment of consecration, a moment of vulnerability. The Lord spoke something to me and he gave me an invitation to, to follow a different path. 
And this is what he spoke to me in so many words. He said, Grant, I want to, to use your life to mobilize the church to the altar. I had no idea what that meant. And to this day, I don't fully understand the fullness of the revelation of the word, but that's the beautiful part about receiving and hearing a word from the Lord, is that it's so pregnant with meaning, whenever the Lord speaks to us, it's so pregnant with meaning that it takes an entire lifetime, or maybe even generations, to fully unfold. That's the beautiful part about hearing a word, receiving a, receiving a seed from the Lord. And that sent me on a completely tra- different trajectory. And I made a, a commitment in my heart in that moment. I said, Lord, whatever it takes, help me to not just follow, ask you to follow me and bless my plans, but help me every single day to learn how to get up and to see where you're, you're going, to see where you're leading and get behind you and follow you wherever that may lead. Now, I stumble, I get it wrong sometimes, I mess up sometimes, my wife can attest to that. But that's what I'm trying to do every single day. It's just simply following Jesus and not asking Jesus to follow me and bless my plans. So, you may, you may say, I, I can't see myself in what you're talking about. Can you, can you kind of make it a little bit clearer? So here's what I mean whenever I talk about um, um, just asking Jesus to follow me and then bless my plans. Okay, Here's what, here's what, what marks people who just want Jesus to follow them. Here's here's kind of some characteristics of that, okay? Number one, they make plans, and then they ask God to bless them. They make decisions without first seeking God's perspective. They allow the opinions of people to influence their decisions more than the voice of the Holy Spirit. And they spend more time planning than they do praying. That was me. That was, that was me. And, and, and I knew Jesus. Like, like I knew Jesus personally. Like, I, like I had a relationship. I, I talked to him all the time. It's just, I preferred my way over his because deep down in my heart, if I was to be really honest, like, I thought that my way and my ability to kind of control the future was better than where he was taking me. Or at least where he was taking me was, was too scary and I didn't want to take the risk to actually follow. But this is, this is where he began to lead me. And this is the mark these are a couple marks of people who actually follow Jesus. You ready for this? They refuse to make plans without God's input. Whether it be their career, their finances, their family. Number two, they refuse to make decisions without first seeking God's perspective. Number three, they refuse to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to be drowned out by the voices of people. Hmm. And finally, they spend more time praying with God than planning with people. You see, in 2012, I was a young man who was asking Jesus to follow me. And I don't know if if there's someone in this room this morning that can relate to that. That You you know what? If I was to really reflect on the decisions that I've made and how I've lived out my Christian life, I've really not surrendered everything in my heart. If I was to be be really honest, there are things that God has, has spoken to my heart that I've been too scared to step out in faith on because deep down inside... I might, I might question kind of how God, if God's stewardship over the future of my life is really better than what I can control. But I can tell you that the past seven years of my journey has been so liberating. And I'm still on this journey. I don't have it all figured out. But God's teaching me each and every day how to get out of the way 
and just simply let him lead. And this morning, that's where I want us to go. This is what I want us to talk about. And there's four things that I've distilled from my journey over the past four years, seven years, sorry, that I'm going to give to you this morning. And hopefully it can help you on your journey to more authentically following Jesus. Can we do that this morning? And I want to use the story of Abraham to illustrate how we can get out of the way and just simply allow Jesus to lead in our life. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says, there are, there, sorry, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end it actually leads to death. Some translations say destruction. What that verse is implying is that there are things that we currently believe about our future and about our life that may not have a heavenly perspective and that if we're to fully act out in them, that it could actually end up leading to death. Have you ever made a decision that you maybe regretted a little bit? Like, have you ever gone to Golden Corral and said, man, I'm about to consume 4,000 calories, and I'm going to eat, like, four pieces of pie, and then all... Anyone ever done that before? And then you're like, whoa, that seemed like a good idea in the moment, but it actually ended in death, Right? Right? There, there, there's decisions that we make each and every day that seem right to us in the moment, but in the end they actually lead to death. But here's what's beautiful. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11 says this. Father, Jesus, Lord, you make known to me the path to life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know what's interesting is it says you make known to me. You make known to me. There there are thoughts that we think that, that seem right in the moment, but whenever we posture ourselves and receive, and He makes known to us the path of, that, is, that is best and highest for our lives, what begins to happen is that, is, that, is that He leads us into His presence and into pleasures at His right hand. But we have to simply get out of the way every single day and allow him to lead us into the promises that he speaks into our life. So let me, let me give you a little context now on the story of Abraham that we just read about. And then, and then I'm going to share with you a little bit of our journey. You see, God spoke to Abraham a promise. And this promise was so re- crazy, so ridiculous, that it seemed impossible And here was the promise. Abraham, I'm going to bless you so stinking much that your physical descendants will influence every nation, tribe, and tongue on this earth. But, I mean, okay, God's a God of the impossible. That sounds great. But but to even add a layer of complexity, okay, here's what's crazy. Here was his dilemma. He was 75 years old. He had no physical descendants at that time. And his wife was barren. And it was in that impossible situation that God speaks. Says, I'm going to do something in your life that you, you can't accomplish in your own power. And in that moment, Abraham had a decision to make. He, he could have either trusted God for the impossible and said, Lord, I don't see how you're going to do it, but so be it. Or, he could have taken matters into his own hands. And so that's the context. That's the backdrop of where we're going this morning. 
to, to take it into a more personal, applicable word for you maybe. What, 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 thing, what impossible thing has the Lord spoken to you? Maybe it's a restored relationship. Maybe that relationship that, that you just, you, you thought was over. Maybe it was a relationship with your, with, with your children. Or maybe it was a relationship uh, with your grandparents. Maybe you thought, man, I'll never get out of debt. Maybe you thought, man, God could never do anything with me. If he knew what my past was all about, if he knew how messed up my, my past was, if he knew what I did, no one, that, that thing that no one else knows about, he would never want to use me. That just seems impossible. We have a choice to make, just like Abraham made. Are we going to entrust him with what seems to be impossible? Or are we going to simply take matters into our own hands and do what seems to be right, but actually ends in, in a destructive lifestyle? So how do we get out of the way and allow Jesus to lead us? Number one is this. We must prioritize the promise, what we've heard, before the provision, what we can see. You see, if we follow provision, if we, if, if we wait upon God to do something for us, and then we take the step, we're actually following provision and not God. You know, Jesus said it a lot like this. He said, he said um, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. No one can serve both mammon and God. No one can serve both money and God. You see, a lot of times we wait for the provision. We, we, we wait for something to happen, for something to happen in the natural, and then we take a step toward it. But sometimes God is, is, is asking us to look at the situation and go, though the circumstance may not seem conducive to what I just released into your heart, maybe that, even though the circumstance doesn't seem to be conducive to what I just ask of you, I want you to do it anyway. And once you do it, watch my presence bring the provision. Um, Psalm chapter 119 verse 105 says, Your word, we've heard about this one in Sunday school, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Notice that, notice that his word is the thing that illuminates the path. Notice that what is spoken is the thing that gives us the courage to take a step. In other words, our ability to see clearly is dependent upon our ability to hear clearly. Until we can hear clearly what the Lord is speaking, we're not given the courage in the secret place with the Lord to take the step that He's asking us to take. So we must Learn something as his people. We must learn how to prioritize what has been spoken before what we can see manifest in the natural. You see, the Lord, the Lord asked us to, to, to move to South Africa, and we stepped away from our positions January 1 of this past year, and we stopped earning a paycheck. And I've got a wife, I've got a son who has medical needs, and I did The Lord said... I'm calling you to go to South Africa. But I knew that until I took that step of faith, that the, that the resources necessary to see that promise come to pass. The thing that was spoken so many years ago, seven years ago, whenever he said, Grant, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm calling you to mobilize the church to the altar. 
that thing would not have come to pass if had I not taken a bold step, a bold risk even. What's risky, it doesn't, it, yeah. It seemed like a very risky move. And to some in the natural, it seemed very stupid. <laughs> but that was what the Lord was asking of us. And I, and I stand here before you this morning, I can tell you that our, all of our needs have been met. Miraculously, all of our needs have been met and more. I mean, we could tell testimony after testimony for the past six months of how, how the Lord's provided for us. And we are actually being able to step into our ministry to South Africa. And it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What has God spoken to you? I want to challenge you this morning to follow the promise and then trust him for the provision. Number two, number two, allow God to make it happen. Allow God to make it happen. Many times whenever we are beginning to follow Jesus, we come to a crossroads moment. And we're faced with the temptation to take matters into our own hands and try to bring things to pass in our own power. Into the story of Abraham. He's presented with this option of entering into the tent of his mistress and bringing to pass in his own power the son of the flesh, Ishmael. Rather than waiting upon the Lord's promise to be fulfilled, he takes matters into his own hands and he brings into the world Ishmael. And many times I think we are tempted as God's people to bring into the world Ishmael's. If we're not careful, we can get out in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to do this in my own power. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. But here's the dangerous thing, guys. Whenever, whenever we take matters into our own hands and begin to bring to pass what the Lord has spoken in our own power, we have to actually control and sustain what we give birth to in the flesh. But what is given birth in the Spirit is actually birthed, sustained, and completed in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 says this, after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Now, Paul to the church at Galatia was actually speaking about our Christian maturity. It was an inward transformation. But I think we can also apply it to our outward, our outward lives as believers. That what you try to accomplish in your own power is really just human effort. It's, it's, it's a return back to the old covenant. Our ability, our, in our own power trying to come before God, in our own ability trying to, trying, to, trying, to, trying to appease God. But God in this beautiful new covenant is saying, if you just trust me and if you get behind me and allow me to lead you, I will birth it, I will sustain it, and I will complete it in the Spirit. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Whose strength are you relying on this morning? Because following Jesus is about learning a deeper dependency upon him every single day. Number three, think about God and not just the problems. A lot of times people think Christianity is this, you know, skipping through daffodils, this walk in the park, like once I follow Jesus, I've got all the provision I need, it's going to be great. No, 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 whenever you follow Jesus... There's actually going to come setbacks. There's actually going to come things 
in your way that distract you and, and try to distort you away from the purpose or away from the God-given vision that he gives for your life. And it's in those moments that sometimes God doesn't remove us from that circumstance, but he actually says, I'm going to enter into it with you and walk with you through whatever setback, roadblock, issue that you're going through. You see, Abraham, he grew discouraged because he was focusing on the issue. I'm 75 years old. I've got a barren wife. God gave me a promise, but it's not coming to pass, so I need to take matters into my own hands. Because he, he started to meditate so much on, on the lack of what he, of what he didn't have. But I want to propose to you that the psalmist in, in Psalm chapter 34 gives us, I think, a, a, a tool in our spiritual tool belt that allows us to break through those moments of setback, those moments where we're having issues. Let me read this to you. It says, in Psalm chapter 34, it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Notice, notice that he, he, he said, let's magnify the Lord. In other words, what we meditate on magnifies. And, and Abraham found himself in this moment where he was meditating on the lack And because he meditated on the lack, because he forgot about the Lord and began to meditate on what he didn't have, that it was then he was forced into this anxious moment that he had to bring to pass and actually bring birth out of the flesh what was only meant to be birthed in the Spirit. But what I'm proposing to you this morning is what what we meditate on magnifies. When we magnify the Lord together, notice what the psalmist says. He said, he answered me. And then he delivered me from all of my fears. It was only whenever, I want to propose to you, again, this is me just reading into the scripture. I want to propose to you that the psalmist may have not had the circumstance removed from his life. But he had such courage expanded in his inner man that he knew the Lord was with him in the circumstance that he had a heart delivery and not a circumstantial delivery. In his heart, he was delivered from the fear and he was able to walk forward even though, and we sang about it this morning, though the enemy surrounds me, I'm surrounded by him. The enemy encamps all around me, but I'm surrounded by him. Knowing that he is with us can give us the courage to handle the setbacks as we meditate on and magnify him and make the Lord bigger than the issue because he already is anyway. And then the last thing. Hold steadfast to what you have heard until it becomes what you see. Hold steadfast to what you've heard until it becomes what you see. On this journey to South Africa, we had to go up to Chicago and we had to get our visa paperwork turned in so that um, we could uh, enter the country and be there legally. And so we go up to Chicago. I had worked, I had worked so long to get all of this paperwork, the stacks of paperwork filled out properly. I had my entire life in this little folder. And, and uh, it was a cold, rainy day in Chicago, and so we were all bundled up, and we were, we're on our way to the Chicago consulate. So we're, I'm pushing the stroller down uh, Michigan Avenue in, 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 in Chicago, and we go in the South African consulate. I go up to the lady at the front desk. I forget her name, but 
uh, God bless her, she wasn't having a good, a good day. And I put that paperwork in front of her and I said, we're here to apply for our South African visas. She looked at me and she said, for what visa are you applying? I told her, you know, what we were going to be doing. She said, I'm sorry, sir, but I can't, I can't give you that visa. We're not giving those visas out anymore. And in, and in this moment, I faced, I had this, like, like, that was my setback moment. I'm like, Lord, I must be crazy. What you spoke to me, I must be crazy. I just drug my family up here. I spent all this money to get a hotel room and a flight, and I, and I must be crazy. Did I hear you right? Have you ever had that moment where you've taken a step of faith, and then you're like, did I hear you right, Lord? Because this lady who's holding my life in her hands, literally, is telling me that I can't legally get into the country that I feel called to go to. So we get our paperwork back, we go to the hotel room, and we're just super discouraged, but I've got nothing else to do because we've got another day in Chicago. So I'm just sitting in my hotel room, it's a cold, cold rainy day, and all of a sudden, Afsana, my wife, gets a, a, a message on WhatsApp. A voice memo. It's from our friends in Pretoria, South Africa. And she says to us, I don't know why, but I just feel led to pray for you guys. And I think I even have a prophetic word to speak over you. And she just begins to pray for us. And at the very end, she says something to the effect, in so many words, she said, I just believe that the Lord's about to open up the heavens and open up a door for you guys that no man can open. Okay. A couple minutes later, I get a Facebook message from a friend that I had never, or, or so I hadn't spoken to since like high school. I bumped into her one time several months prior, but I hadn't talked to her in forever. And she said, hey, I've got some friends that I want to connect you with. They're actually moving to Pretoria, South Africa to plant a church. I think you should get acquainted with them. I kid you not, my wife's my witness right now. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've got nothing else to do. I'm sitting here in this Chicago hotel, completely dejected, just got turned down by this lady who was supposed to be issuing our, us our visas, so I might as well just call this guy. So I called this guy up, and I said, hey, man, like, tell me a little bit about your journey. What are you doing? Like, have you gotten your visa yet? He's like, oh, yeah, we just got our visa. We got it three days ago. I was like, tell me how you did it, because I, I, I need to take notes and learn what you did. And so, and so he tells us, oh, we were actually going to get turned down from the, the, the consulate in New York. But, but, but someone told us that you need to go to the embassy in, Chicago, in, uh, in Washington, D.C. I was like, oh, okay, D.C. Okay, all right. So we booked a plane ticket the next week. We go to Washington, D.C. Um, and we go before the, the immigration officer in, in, in the, the embassy in, in D.C. And I'm going to leave you in suspense right there. You see, don't let go of the promise until you see God's faithfulness to complete his word. Because he will. He will. Hold steadfast to what you have heard until it becomes what you see. You see, it took Abraham 25 years. It took Abraham 25 years. He was 75 whenever he first received the word that he would be a father of many nations. And he was 100 years old whenever he gave birth to the actual promise, Isaac. That's 25 years of waiting. All I had to wait was seven years. I can't imagine having to wait 25 years. We look at Abraham and go, what are you doing? God spoke to you. What are you doing? But I can see myself in the story. I can see my impatience in that moment. You see, whenever God speaks, he does create. And sometimes he takes a long time to create instantly. 
But what he speaks will come to pass if we are faithful to simply wait upon him to bring it to pass. So I'm sitting in the embassy in Washington, D.C. I've got paperwork plus eight more documents that are notarized because the guy, my, my, my friend, that I, my newly found friend, church planner dude from Pretoria, South Africa, said I needed all these documents. So I bring them, I plop them down before, before Mr., Mr. David, who is our immigration officer. I said, Mr. David, here's my paperwork. He looks through it and he says, I'm going to need you to go and get eight more documents and have them all notarized and have them on my desk by tomorrow. So I run around all day long in Washington, D.C., trying to find public notaries, trying to get all these, pub, these documents that I needed. So I'm running around, all, I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking out. I probably low-key had like a, a nervous breakdown, okay? We go the next morning, we plop the paperwork down in front of Mr. David, holding on to that promise that the Lord had spoken to us. He looks through my paperwork, he stamps it, moves it to the side. He looks through, I've seen his paperwork, stamps it, moves it to the side. At this point, I'm starting to bawl. Afsana looks at me and she says, hold it together, Grant. I'm like, okay. Looks through my son's paperwork, pushes it to the side. He says, there shouldn't be any issue at all. This paperwork should go through, and you should hear back with us within the next three to four weeks. I, I get back home a couple of days later, and, and I get, a, I get, a, I get a, uh, an email from FedEx saying, your package will be arriving tomorrow. This was two days after we'd gotten back from Chicago. I looked at my wife, and I said, babe, we just got denied. Like, no one gets their visas two days after they go and apply for it at an embassy. That just does not happen. It comes in the mail the next day. Uh, we, we had some friends over, so we took the package. We ran to the back bedroom. We ripped it open. We looked at it together, and in it was our visas for South Africa. Thank you, God. Come on. I tell you that story, and that's just one of many stories that I could tell you. But I want to encourage you this morning that holding steadfast to what we've heard until it becomes what we see is forming in us an inner resolve, an inner fortitude that allows us to continue to grow in our ability to walk out the promises of the Lord that he's spoken to our hearts. Because it's not just about the destination, but it's actually about growing in intimacy with him in the process. Romans chapter 4, verse 20 through 24, and then I've got to end. It says, in fact... Abraham's faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, but it was actually recorded for our benefit too. Assuring us, That God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Amen. Amen. In eight days, my wife and I will be jumping on a plane and going to Cape Town, South Africa. And it's been the culmination of seven years of promises, of things spoken to us, taking steps of faith, falling on our face, encountering setbacks, getting back up going again, but the Lord has been faithful to every single thing that he has spoken. And what I want to propose to you this morning is that if we have faith to listen, God is always faithful to lead. God is always faithful to lead. Here's what we're going to be doing in South Africa, just real, just real simply. We're going to be pastoring a church that our friends have, have planted three years ago called Numa Life Church, Spirit Life. And we have a vision 
of mobilizing the church to the altar. The altar is not just the physical altar in, in front of a, a, a church, but we believe the altar is all languages, tribes, and races. We want to see the church mobilized. Africa, just in 2018, became the continent with the most number of Christians, 631 million believers on the continent of Africa. It now is the number one continent with the most believers out of any continent. The Western church still sees it as the mission field, but it's now the mission force. But who's going to train them? Who's going to send them? Who's going to release them? Who's going to, re- who's going to equip and release them into the Great Commission? So we have a vision of mobilizing the church to complete the Great Commission amongst all languages, all tribes, and all races. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be establishing a training center. There's going to be functions of it, of church planting, of mobilizing leaders, of, of, of helping leaders get healthy. Um, and, and we're just so excited to, to see God continue to unfold what, what he's spoken to our hearts. I just wanted to share a little bit of my journey, but really this morning, I, I'm interested in what the Lord's doing in your life. Because honestly, there's some people in this room that, um, that you're like me seven years ago, and even me on some days, where you're, you're, you're like, you know, I've lived this Christian life, but really I've just been asking Jesus to bless me. I've been asking Jesus to bless the plans that I have made, and I really spend more time planning than I do praying. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to pray with you. If you really felt like that's you this morning, if you really feel like, you know what, I'm not following Jesus, but if I was to be really honest with with God in this moment right now, I've been spending more time actually uh, asking Jesus to follow me. If If that's you this morning, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to pray with you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I see those hands. Yeah. If, if you just lifted up your hand, I just want, to pr- I want you to pray silently in your own heart. And, and talk to the Lord as if you're talking to your best friend. And just simply just tell him. Just talk to him and say, Lord, I've been, I've been following I've been following my own desires rather than actually following you. And I just want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the boldness of these men and women who just raised their hands. I believe, God, there are are prophetic destinies. There are words of, of wisdom. There are words of knowledge that you want to release to their heart. But you're just simply asking them to get behind you and and actually follow you. Would you give them the courage to do that? It may mean taking a radical step. It may, taking, it may mean just simply shifting a motive in their heart. But Holy Spirit, I trust your stewardship over what you're speaking to their heart right now. And would you just begin to do a work in them as, 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 they, as they get real with you? Jesus, I can declare in the presence of your people this morning that every single sacrifice that was made pales into comparison of what you have brought into my life. And may they be given courage to take that step of faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I also don't want to leave this moment without giving an invitation to anyone who's come, who, who's come in, in, in these doors this morning that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. 
There may be people here this morning that if they were to be really honest with God, they would, they, they would say, I, I really don't have a relationship with you. I've been scared to come before you, Lord, because I'm afraid because of what I've done in my past, because of the mess that I've made of my life. Or maybe even the pride that I have brought before you. But the Lord is looking at you this morning and he is saying, oh, I love you so much. I've seen it all and I love you. I've seen it. I've seen every single moment of your life and I love you. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I, don't, I, I know in my heart I really don't have a relationship with Jesus and, I'm, uh, and, and I, I, I want it. If that's you this morning, would you just throw up your hand? I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I just want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Beautiful. All, all hearts and minds are at peace this morning. Beautiful. Let's just pray. And then I'm going to allow Zach to close us in worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word that was released this morning. I thank you for, um, for what you've done in this place. I thank you for Vision Church. And Father, um, we ask <laughs> that you would help us to clarify the vision for our life. The seed of the promise that has been spoken to our hearts. May we, may we find the courage to step out in faith upon what you have spoken to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, Vision for Life.